Reading from Isaiah 9, verse 1 to 7. But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of, the, of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broke, broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in the battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. On the throne of, his, of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Well, again, good morning. And let me just um, welcome all of you to uh, IBCBI Christmas service. This is just a short service uh, um, looking at uh, the reason for Christmas and to celebrate the reason for Christmas. Um, let me just go back to the passage because that is what we will be looking at. Now, it has at times felt like darkness and gloom has covered us, covered our family, covered our community, covered the earth. I remember the first time I went camping, it was a terrible experience. Um, it was a school trip with the uh, CCF, which was the combined cadet force. So it's like the school army uh, training. For those of you who are doing uh, Singapore, who have done Singapore uh, kind of service, you probably know what I mean in terms of going out to the jungle. Thankfully, I, I don't go camping in the jungle. I haven't been since I've been out here, but I, I used to love, I actually learned to love camping back in the UK. But that first time I went camping was terrible. We had a horrible cloth, rough, really rough cloth tent, which we had to carry the whole day. I was young, I was 13 at the time, I think, and I shared a tent with a, a guy who I hardly knew. Um, thankfully, he didn't snore too loudly. He didn't smell too much, but it was cold and it was wet. 
and my tent didn't really keep out much of the cold and went wet. The older boys on the trip made a lot of noise late into the night. I thankfully, I don't think uh, they, they tried to collapse a couple of tents. They tried to collapse mine. I know that they collapsed a couple of the others. Um, and yeah, suffice to say that I didn't sleep well that night. Uh, I kept on waking up because the rain came and went and the ground was hard and my sleeping bag was tight and uncomfortable. I still remember it today. So when the dawn came and the warmth of the sun just broke over that horizon and bore down on me, I knew that my torture, my nightmare was over. I could smell the cooking of a hot breakfast and hot chocolate in my hand, warming me up. And even though I struggled through the rest of the day's walking, my feet were sore and my shoulders chafing, a heavy, back on my, uh, heavy pack on my back, made even heavier by the rain, I knew that my home and rest, a hot shower and my bed were waiting. In some ways, this year has felt like that uh, for me, um, and I know many others. Um, a long, dark tunnel. Uh, the end, we can't quite see. We, we might see some glimmering hope uh, and light at the end, and how we really hope for the end of that tunnel that has been uh, this, this pandemic. And in many ways, uh, this pandemic has reminded me of the, uh, the First World War. They went into it not knowing uh, what they were letting themselves in for. They all thought it would be over for, uh, by Christmas. And again, like this pandemic, people have been predicting, oh, it's going, only going to be a couple of months and then it's going to go away. It's come the summer and then it's going to go away. I really hope and pray, and like all of us, that this this crisis, this pandemic, this siege, this darkness doesn't last for the four years that the First World War lasted. But likewise, like that uh, First World War, there didn't seem to be a person who wasn't touched by the conflict in some way or another. So we all long for this kind of dawn and enter the darkness. We can see in this passage share this passage again. We can see the words in these pass uh, this passage. These are words of the end of war, of peace, of joy, and an end to suffering. I mean, that's such a great image, isn't it? Imagine all guns and tanks and missiles, nuclear missiles, short-range missiles, or barbed wire rolled up and melted down. Joy and celebration like people at harvest when there is bountiful plenty for everyone. And as it says towards the end of this passage, for that to be never-ending, 
How amazing would that be? But we also know that at the end of this pandemic, once this pandemic is over, there will still be suffering. There will be still be sickness and there will still be war. So this prophecy, this peace that this prophecy promises, where is it? Where is the justice that this passage promises? Where is this leader? And those who have seen leaders come and go, those who, who, who have seen politicians come and go, have had such hope in new leaders. They're pro you're probably quite rightly a little bit cynical. What politician could be called a wonderful counselor? I mean, that would imply that they listen to you. What politician would uphold justice and righteousness rather than their own popularity and winning political points? What politician has a never-ending rule? What politician works to bring about the end of war and joy and celebration for everyone? Well, it's there in the passage, isn't it? Can you see it? Verse six, let's have a look at verse six. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of, their, of his government and of peace, there will be no end. It's got to be God, hasn't it? Who but God can achieve this? But you might be asking yourself, why haven't we seen this peace? Why haven't we seen this victory? Surely Christians believe that God has already come in the form of Jesus. Well, you have to ask yourself what the, the question, what kind of victory are you expecting? You see, the Pharisees made that mistake when Jesus came. The Jews made that mistake when Jesus came. And so many people over the years have made that mistake. The Bible tells us that the battle is not a physical one. It's not one that can be solved with the getting rid of guns or tanks or nuclear weapons. There was that great hope at the end of the Cold War with Gorbachev and Reagan when uh, there was disarmament. But we see a greater a number of conflicts now, smaller conflicts maybe, and as great a threat of nuclear war maybe. We see a looming kind of conflict between the US and China. Not so much one of, of battle, but maybe one that's more for economically through trade and through winning the hearts and minds of people. 
It's not one that can be solved with a vaccine. But we really pray and hope that the vaccine works, that this current crisis is solved. But we know that this is going to, you know, that it's not going to end sickness. We've seen, you know, global pandemics before. We saw the Spanish flu, and yet we're going, it's predicted that there's going to be some kind of pandemic every 20 years. That's a worrying thought, isn't it? But you have to ask yourself, if I took all the, away all the guns, all the tanks, all the, the, the missiles, all the barbed wire, if we took away all the sickness, if we took away heart disease and cancer and, and this pandemic, all this sickness, all the flu, would this world be at peace? For that answer, we just have to look to any chat room or any forum on the internet. There seems to be war across the whole of the internet nowadays. It's incredibly sad and, and for me, worrying and depressing. Some people might think education is the answer. Of course, as a teacher, I think sometimes education is the answer, but this world is more educated than it's ever been. And in the most educated places on earth, there is as much debate and argument and fury and abuse as any time. One thing that amuses me, but probably should make me quite sad, is, is quite sad when you think about it, is something called God's win, Godwin's Law. Does anyone know about it? Anyway, Godwin's Law is, says, uh, it's, it's an internet adage. It's not a law as such, it's kind of like a joke, but it's an internet adage which states that the longer an argument proceeds on the internet, the higher the probability that one party will compare the other party to Hitler or the Nazis. That means that as an argument grows and keeps on going, eventually somebody is going to throw out and call the other person Hitler or call them a Nazi. Of the internet arguments that I've witnessed, it seems to be really quite true. I tear out my hair at uh, people who can't have a passionate discussion without it resulting in personal attacks. And death threats. This is something that disgusts me and horrifies me. Death threats on actors. I think that's, that is horrifying. Death threats on people who are just doing their job. Probably no, most notably, some of you know that I'm a, a big geek. Um, Star Wars, the Star Wars franchise. And recently, most recently, uh, Lashana Lynch, who is the, who is the, uh, the new black lady who has been nominated to be the, the new 007, She's received death threats. They haven't even seen the film. She's a, an accomplished actress, and she's, but she's had to switch off all her social media because she's had death threats. She's an actress. It's fiction. 
what is wrong with people that they can't be civilized like this? You see, the problem is much deeper than, than guns or viruses. It's us. The problem is us. It's our selfishness and pride and wanting to live the way we want, thinking we know better than others. And this is what the Bible calls sin. Thinking that we know how to run our lives, our pride and sin and selfishness. The story of Noah is there to show us that if we get rid of all the sinful people in the world, it doesn't get rid of sin. You see, the first thing that Noah does when he lands is to build a vineyard and get drunk and to sin. And others have tried to hide away with their friends or with special people, especially vetted people in communities, in communes, in uh, little groups through the ages. The monks tried to do it in monasteries, trying to build that perfect community, their own little utopia. It never works. Why? Because of the inherent selfishness and pridefulness of man, of each of us. So how do we deal with this problem? This is the greater problem. The sin, the selfishness, the pride in all of us. Well, this is why Christians get excited. This is what Christians get excited about, and this is what we should get excited about. This is why they sing such amazing, passionate hymns. Glory to the newborn king. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Jesus, 700 years after this prophecy. Yes, the Christians in the Bible, the Jews were waiting for 700 years for this prophecy. How disappointed were those who found out that he wasn't gonna be a military leader or that he wasn't gonna cure all disease because they wanted him to. But instead, what did he do? He preached forgiveness of sins and he died in place of us in place of our punishment to restore us to a perfect relationship with God. Why do we need that substitutionary sacrifice? I've heard this asked recently on the internet. God who is perfect, if we believe in a perfect God, then we believe in a God who can't abide in perfection. The God who can't stand our selfishness and pride, because how can perfection live within perfection? God, who is perfect, sent his perfect son to bridge that gap, to solve this dilemma, to not only allow us entry into heaven, but as the Bible says, enable us to be adopted into God's family. Look at the last sentence of this passage. 
The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And think about that for a second. The zeal of the Lord of work, uh, sorry, the Lord of hosts will do this. You see, we can't do anything. We can't help ourselves. Look at everyone who tries. Try it. For the next week, try and live a selfless life. Try and live for others. Every moment. Only an infinitely greater being, a perfect being, can reach down and pull us out of this mess, out of this gloom, out of this darkness. But don't take my word for it. This passage is from Isaiah. And go and research this. In the British Library, there are fragments of the Dead Sea Scrolls, which are dated before the histories tell us that, uh, tell us about Jesus. And those fragments contain this text. And many people, including Jews, have gone and found out for themselves. Those who have dug into historical evidence, many have seen the truth and been converted. I'm going to end with the words of G.K. Chesterton. G.K. Chesterton was a Christian uh, preacher and more significantly an author. He was credited to uh, be, have converted, I think, C.S. Lewis or certainly been a major influence on C.S. Lewis. Let me read this. If I found a key on the road and discovered it fit and opened a particular lock in my house, I would assume most likely that the key was made by the lock maker. And if I find set, uh, if I find set of teachings set out in pre-modern oriental society that has proved itself such universal validity that it has fascinated and satisfied millions of people in every century, including the best minds in history and the simplest hearts, that has made itself at home in virtually every culture, inspired masterpieces of beauty in every field of art, continues to grow rapidly and spread it and assert itself in lands where a century ago the name of Jesus Christ was not even heard. If such teaching so obviously fits the locks of so many human souls in so many times and in so many places, are they likely to be the work of a deceiver or a fool? In fact, it is much more likely that they were designed by the heart maker. G.K. Chesterton is talking about a heart maker. To us Christians, that is the creator God. If he created us, would he not know what is in our hearts? And so this Christmas, if you wonder why Christians get so excited about the birth of Jesus, it's here. This child who was prophesied over 700 years before was going to be 
the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, the person who would stand for justice and righteousness forever has arrived. And so the dawn has come. And if you want to, if we allow God into our lives, we ask for forgiveness that he offers. He can bathe us in that glorious light. He can invite you into heaven, give you a promise of eternity in heaven and peace. Wipe away the tears and suffering. I'm going to say a short prayer because the Bible says that God listens to our prayers. He's not some abstract God, some Cartesian creator who set the clockwork world going and no longer takes a part. Christians believe in a God who answers prayers and listens. Dear Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus into the world to save us. We thank you that he took the punishment for our selfishness and pride, our rebellion and wrongdoing, so that we can be part of your family. We long for the day when you will come again, the day when every tear will be wiped away and all suffering and pain will end, just as you have promised. We are sorry for what we have done and acknowledge that only through Jesus' sacrifice can we be saved. And we praise you for being a gracious, merciful, and loving God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have questions, if you uh, would like to know more, then please reach out. I think we believe in a God that is created science. We believe in a God that created uh, logic that holds up under questioning. So please do reach out and question. And if I don't know, I'll say, and I'll go and look it up and ask wiser minds than me. Otherwise, from IBCBI, we wish you a very Merry Christmas and we will be praying for all of you.